G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Sometimes we make the same mistake over and over and over again with exactly the same disastrous results. A bit like Pavlov's dogs. Stimulus response, stimulus response. A vicious circle and it causes pain repeating the same mistakes all the time. So how do we break out of that cycle? And welcome again to the program as today we take another look at the pain in your life from a different perspective. And please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about the powerful prayer that could be coming your way to help you through whatever you happen to be dealing with in your life just at the moment. Back in the 1890s, Russian scientist Ivan Petrovich Pavlov was investigating the digestive system of dogs. He was collecting their saliva to see what response it had to food under different conditions. It's not for everyone, I guess, but hey, it's a living. Now, what he noticed was that dogs tended to salivate before the food was actually delivered to their mouths. Now, he decided this was far more interesting than the saliva itself, so his research headed down this different path, and he discovered what he called conditional reflexes, that is, reflex responses like salivation that only occurred conditionally upon specific previous experiences of the animal. Now, this became hugely well-known, who would have expected it, but Pavlov's dogs today are still talked about and generally pretty well-known. And it's all about stimulus and response. Dogs received a certain stimulus and they naturally reacted in a certain way. In fact, it was even possible to have them learn that a stimulus that in and of itself had nothing to do with food was nevertheless a precursor to food being delivered. And at the sign of that unrelated stimulus, they would begin to salivate. That's called associative learning. Stimulus response, stimulus response, stimulus response over and over and over again. So, what, if anything, do these dogs have to do with you and me? Well, these early experiments formed the basis of human behavioural research and therapies. There was another well-known experiment called the Little Albert Experiment. Here's the Wikipedia entry on this. Have a listen. John B. Watson, founder of behaviourism, demonstrated classical conditioning empirically through experimentation using the Little Albert Experiment in which a child, Albert, was presented with a white rat. After a control period in which the child reacted normally to the presence of the rat, the experimenters paired the presence of the rat with a loud jarring noise caused by clanging two pipes together behind the child's head. As the trials progressed, the child began to show signs of distress at the sign of the rat, even when unaccompanied by the frightening noises. Furthermore, the child demonstrated generalisation of the stimulus associations and showed distress when presented with any white furry object, even such things as a rabbit, a dog, a fur coat and a Santa Claus mask with hair. They're fascinating stuff and whilst I'm no psychologist, it kind of really rings true with me. 
We learn things in our lives, for better or for worse. There's no formalised curriculum on growing up. We just grow up. We learn some good things and we learn some bad things too. Sometimes there was a person or a situation in our childhood that caused us pain, perhaps a teacher with severe-looking glasses. I had one such teacher, Miss Williams, in third grade, who had such a pair of dark-rimmed glasses, Bakelite, severe-looking glasses, over which she appeared to me to scowl down her nose at us. To this day, and I'm now over the 50-year mark, to this day, when I see someone with a pair of glasses that look like Miss Williams' glasses, I have to work against having a reaction to them and being deeply suspicious of them. Isn't that amazing? We're, we're amazingly complex. And so we learn these responses to different stimuli and we're prone to repeating them over and over and over and over again in our lives. And so often those responses bring pain. Let's say you suffered rejection from someone you loved as a child. Chances are that the moment there's a sniff of rejection from anyone now that you're an adult, all sorts of protective responses come trotting out. Withdrawal or aggression, however you learn to cope with rejection back then, is bound to repeat itself again today. And one of the places where we learned many, if not most, of our responses was through our parents. And they learned them from their parents. And their parents learned them from, well, you get it, right? Isn't it obvious how bad behaviours can get handed down from generation to generation? Stimulus response, just like Pavlov's dogs. And so many of us live our lives just like little Albert. He sees a harmless, fluffy white rabbit and cringes because he associates it with something bad. Now, call me crazy, and some people do, but I just don't think God wants us to live our lives that way, do you? I just don't think that that's good for us because it means that the pains of the past are alive and well and thriving in our lives, robbing us of the good lives that Jesus came to give us. It's one thing to know that this is happening. A lot of people know that they're caught in a repetitive trap of anger or, or the feeling of victimisation or disappointment, whatever it is. But the question is, is there some way out or is it a lifelong trap? I want to take you to two scriptures today to show you that not only is the cycle in God's eyes already broken, but also that there is a way out. The first is the position that you're in after you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We no longer know him that way. So, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. In other words, stop looking at this from a human point of view, from a natural perspective. Because if we keep doing that, then we have to come to the conclusion that there's no way out. But when we look at ourselves from God's perspective, through his eyes, well, it's completely obvious. Anyone who believes in Jesus is a new creation. It's as though they've been born again. All the old things have passed away. And look, says Paul, see, everything is made new. In other words, I don't care what it looks like from a human standpoint. The past is completely irrelevant. It has no power, no hold, no dominion over anyone who believes in Jesus. That's God's truth. And the second thing is, well, how do we appropriate that truth? How do we lay hold of it, own it, live it, benefit from it? The answer, not surprisingly, is also in God's word. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Two things. Firstly, give your life over to God, holus bolus, everything, be a living sacrifice. And then, instead of conforming to the world's view, the same old, same old stimulus response like Pavlov's dogs, instead of living life like little Albert, get God to transform you by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll figure it all out. Then you'll know his will for your life. And my friend, without knowing it, that's exactly what started to happen in my life. I went to God. I gave it all to him. But then something else. I started spending time in his word, actually reading it, thinking about it, listening to others speaking, thinking about that. And that's how he changed my mind. If we had another few hours, I could share with you all the things he set me free from. Now, when a stimulus comes along, I'm able to break the cycle and come up with a different response. Not because I'm clever, but because God's Word became part of my DNA. God's Word is written on the very fabric of my being. Now I truly am a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are new. like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at PowerfulPrayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word as well. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you. And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time Monday with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.